As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Welcome to Strange Familiars. Happy Halloween, everybody. This is part one of a two-part show that we've done on jack-o'-lanterns and the folklore that surround them. Got to hang out with the monster fuzz fellers, the fuzz lords, the fuzzy boys, however you'd like to address them, Rob and Eamon. They've got a fuzz podcast and they're going to use it. That is a reference to <laughs> Fuzzbox. Do you remember mm. the band, the like the poppy? I, I remember band. That, that there was a band. Yeah. I think somebody made Rob like a custom fuzz pedal that is a monster fuzz. When I heard recently, this is this is how much the f- monster fuzz is in my head. I heard like, wasn't Shakira like something happened to her where she was being sued or something? And I was like, I wonder how Eamon feels about this. <laughs> I love these two guys. You know, we get along so well. What you don't get to hear is the conversation we have both before and after we record these podcasts, which is great. They're like old friends. We just talk and talk and talk. And I love them both. And I'm I'm so happy when we get to do shows together. They're just super fun. So let's go ahead and get to uh, part one of our Jack-O-Lantern show. Now, the shows we did with Monster Fuzz in the past... We just released them on both feeds. Mm-hmm. 
This one, we're starting on Strange Familiars, and then part two is going to be on Monster Fuzz. So we're trying something a little different. So part one is here on Strange Familiars. When you're done with this, part two is going to be on Monster Fuzz. So make sure to go to Monster Fuzz and check that out. And while you're there, give them a like and a follow and all the good stuff you do for podcasts. So let's go ahead and get to our jack-o'-lantern conversation. Welcome, Monster Fuzz. Rob and Eamon, how are you guys doing today? Doing good, Tim. How are you? Oh, yeah, we're certainly doing well. We all prepared for spooky season, and you? Absolutely. It's You know, it's, uh, my anniversary is on Halloween. Oh, is it? Oh, that's fantastic. T- 25 years is Halloween. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. It's, uh, it's funny, I must send you... My, my sister got married, it was about two weeks before Halloween, but she loves Halloween, she loves spooks and all that sort of stuff. She Her wedding uh, photo is like a horror movie DVD case. <laughs> it's like her and her husband shrouded in shadow with uh, pumpkins and dimly lit candles around them. I'll, I'll send it to you later, oh, it's, it's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. We didn't originally set out to get married on Halloween, but we were getting married outside and right. uh, we were eloping and mm. it was going to rain every other day it was the only day that it wasn't going to rain so we were just like oh well guess guess we're going to be the couple that gets married on halloween it's very yeah, it's very like apt though yeah. for for yeah. for the strange familiar's mm. lore isn't it really um so yeah we're back again on halloween folks this is our second halloween special yeah yes what isn't did we crazy? do last year my mind is 350 oh. some episodes of strange familiars my mind is completely shot what did we do for, for last year <laughs> we, we we did a couple of questions i believe we th- we threw in a bit of generic sort of halloween talk and then i think we picked a story each i think you that's might, actually right. no that's right you picked some irish stories yeah, right? yeah oh, yeah we had, yeah, yeah, we had the now, cool yeah. article from of the uh the thing mm-hmm. in Ireland. yeah yeah that's right mm-hmm. so what have we got today then tim we're gonna be talking jack-o'-lanterns Jack O' Lanterns. This is interesting because, to be quite honest with you, Jack O' Lanterns, I always thought, or at least in the pumpkin form, we'll get to it during this episode, uh, was more of a strictly American thing, actually. We stole it from you. Mm. Mm. Cultural appropriation, Tim. (laughs) We we will say, maybe the Irish, you know, invented Halloween or so on, but you got to hand it to the Americans. You guys perfected it. Bombastic. We might have started it, but you, yeah, you, you lit it up. It is... Very much like Christmas here now, I've noticed. Like, if people start mm. months ahead of time, and, and it's a big event here, for sure. Yeah. Hallmark, I've seen, I've seen yeah. some of those houses, like, the way they're decked out for Halloween. It's like a like a legit... You know those houses you pay money to walk through on Halloween? Mm-hmm. But they're legitimately that good, like, walking dead, accurate, life-size zombies in the garden and stuff. I went to um, I went to school with, with this... Uh, it's just this girl is a friend of mine but her whole family was very artistic and they mm. used to do their whole yard up with uh like the, the, the corn stalks and and they'd have dry ice going and, and stuff and and uh, <laughs> they paint up everybody's faces and and make it like a real kind of horror thing mm. and i i remember awesome. uh one year they had me in a in a burlap sack over my head with like 
you know, you, torn so you could see kind of half the makeup under it, and you know, covered in fake blood, <laughs> and in a coffin. And as the kids would go up to you know trick or treat, I'd pop out of the coffin. There was I scared the <laughs> heck out of so many kids. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Nice, nice. Let's go. That. Yeah, that was that um, was a lot of fun. We've actually a public service announcement, them, and I'm glad you mentioned that. We're going to do our bit for the environment there, folks, while we're all together. Do you know that like webbing that you put outside your house? That stuff that like. It goes on like hedges and stuff like that. The, the, the fake yeah, spider webs. Spooky. Yeah, fake yeah, spider yeah. webs. Like, um, apparently that's really fucking bad for the environment because, mm. like, birds will fly into it, break their wings. Owls will fly into it. We all love an owl. Oh yes. Um, yeah. But apparently, very bad for insects and all that type of stuff as well. They all get caught in it. So be careful out there, folks. Oh yeah. Maybe there's some kind of. Is there probably some biodegradable webs? Probably right. They gotta yeah, come. I think up they're with just. Like. I think they're just webs. Unfortunately, <laughs> 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 I don't even think webs are biodegradable. Some. <laughs> Really? You got some of them in your hair. It's tough Silk going. and Tom. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> Cotton candy. Yeah. We have these yeah. spiders that are, I've not yet seen them. They're supposed to be coming. They're invasive from Japan. Oh. And they, they weave golden webs. Nice. Oh, that kind of sounds cool, man. to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for them. And supposedly they're like 10 feet deep. They're like massive webs, like massive oh, golden wow. webs. Yeah, I'm super excited. I say the Japanese make good. Did you ever see their, their uh, version of Spider Man? No. Oh, oh he's yeah, like, he's cool. check it out. He's like, he's got a big mech and everything, obviously. Uh, but he says, you know, usually Spider-Man says, hey, it's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man or whatever. He has those catchphrases. In Japan, he says, I'm Spider-Man, an emissary from hell. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really wow. good. <laughs> kind of changes things. A little bit, yeah. He's not as friendly neighborhood. Do you guys have the uh, uh, the 12-foot skeleton Halloween decorations there? Oh yeah, like bits and bobs mm. of that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like I you seen... wouldn't see them as much no, though. Like like no. you wouldn't see them too. People don't really like overdo their houses over here. <laughs> like in the way that I've seen some places um, online in America. But it usually you have some like you know the most I've seen here is in the windows. There's fake blood and stuff like that. Keep out. Someone has like a this sort of poster of it the clown in their doorway oh, okay yeah. uh, some maybe some skulls in the garden and stuff but but it's it's not it's like it's 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 a uh, we wouldn't have like the, the shops that have all the cool little decorations that you can buy for obscene amounts of money to put into your house right. they're not really as as regular around here yeah we have these uh halloween stores that just move in for this time of year mm. they're like department store size they're just yeah massive. i saw i remember seeing one in canada and like there was all these like it was like little traps it was like Indiana Jones or something because he'd step on a thing by mistake and then this like spider would jump out at you or a guy would shout at you yeah. and, like try get you with a knife and I and I, I was in my element I was so excited to be there I was stepping on everything but it's it, it was a huge superstore like it was really impressive I was in one with the kids when they were very very young like uh, just learning how to walk kind of young mm. and uh, we were in there looking around and you know things are getting kind of kind of scary in there you know for little ones and mm-hmm. uh, my son i remember he was just clinging hard to me he was just like <laughs> holding holding tight like i was i was carrying him and something happened and and uh i don't know if we were looking at something or whatever and I, and i turn around and i see this guy has a a remote control zombie that's crawling nice. across the ground so it has it has <laughs> oh, no gosh. legs and nice. it's it's horrifying looking right <laughs> and it's crawling across the ground and it's it's suddenly i notice it's like kind of crawling towards my daughter and i'm, <laughs> oh, I'm thinking oh this is going to be horrible like she's going to yeah. scream this is going to be bad <sighs> she turns around and looks at this thing 
points at it and starts cracking up. Awesome. <laughs> like, just completely took the wind out of that guy's sails because little toddler's oh. just like, ah, just laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. And that's been her that's ever awesome. since. She she loves, nice. like, stuff like that. Nothing scares her, you know, like horror yeah. movies and oh, stuff. Wow. She'll just laugh. But that, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Deadly. Um, so, as well, for everyone listening, um, this is a two-parter, right, Tim? Yeah, we're going to start on Strange Familiars and then part two head to monster fuzz we thought we'd try it this way because we, we yeah. were doing like the shared episodes where we put them on both our feeds but mm-hmm. let's try it this way see how mm-hmm. it works we'll do everyone gets more content then yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. it's a bit of cross-pollination yeah yeah, yeah. so um, yeah so definitely that's what we'll be doing and as well I think people remarked on the last one Tim that we uh, there was a lot of tangents I think we were bouncing all around the place and that's going to happen oh We've yeah got like three spooky dudes in a room talking and <laughs> it's not often we all get to talk so it's going to be a bouncy podcast i'd imagine absolutely Pre- prepare for uh the the, the uh what do they call it uh, your uh neil digress tyson right neil digress tyson yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's going to be he's going to be in the building with us in this episode yeah so we're talking about stingy jack first is it well before we do that do you yeah. jack lanterns did you guys make them when you were young no um i i think i might have but like it was just not nothing too epic it's you know carve the eyes out of a pumpkin and but it was we didn't do it a lot you know mm-hmm. i have maybe one or two vague memories of it actually maybe once maybe <clears throat> but mm. again later on when i was more a teenager i don't remember when i was very young as a matter of fact pumpkins weren't a common crop in ireland at all um and i believe pumpkins aren't native natively grown in Ireland like I don't think they're in uh, I might be wrong on that now I might be talking out my arse but um, I think they might be an American plant yeah. I know I heard some Irish farmers kind of talking about them recently where they've only just started sort of having crops of pumpkins because pumpkin picking is now a, a popular it's, kind of yeah, thing it's something to make money out of yeah um, so they're yeah, fairly no, easy to many. grow too that's the like, yeah mm. did you have did you do many jack-o'-lanterns when you were a kid it was a ritual yeah it was a ritual right? every, every yeah, year awesome. we you know i get excited you know um you know i was real young my mom wouldn't let me touch a knife so i had to draw yeah. the face on with marker <laughs> but you know as i got older you know i'd, I'd draw the face and my mom would cut it out and then a little older i was allowed to cut it out and yeah it was every year it was super exciting that's cool yeah that's awesome of course yeah, my mom so wouldn't let me put a candle in it so no <laughs> the fire hazard so yeah, uh, but I, I could put a flashlight in it on halloween night nice yeah, no, yeah they're cool like they're a really cool thing i'm kind of sorry i didn't do more of them i like the idea of pumpkin carving i think it's very cool so mm. at some point i will definitely give them a go but it's just yeah, yeah it was yeah. not really commonplace when we were young not too it's, much you can do i mean you can do some really creative stuff with it though i've mm-hmm. seen people like make almost like light boxes oh yeah, yeah. from the pumpkin like really really interesting stuff because it you know they focus on the layering of what they're carving mm-hmm. um which looks really awesome and the 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 not worst, like the best, like a legitimately creepy jack-o'-lantern I saw, was somebody put like peanut butter where the eyes and mouth were supposed to be on like a, a, a full oh, grand pumpkin. Yeah. They put it in the garden and all the squirrels yeah. started oh. biting into it, the <laughs> peanut butter. And it just made like a legitimately creepy mouth and eyes on, on the jack-o'-lantern, you know? Yeah, oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It's so interesting how it's like, so it's, you know, this big thing in America. It comes from Ireland, and you guys didn't do it that much. Do you know what I think yeah. that is, though? I think uh, if you're an expat, if you've moved to a different country, um, you hold on to your original identity a lot more, I think, and you try and carry it on, and maybe at times even amplify it because it's of a lot of importance to you because it's a part of you that you miss. It's a part of you that you had to say goodbye to. So you really want to hold on to that. And I think a lot of the immigrants and stuff that first went to America probably were trying to hang on to their Irish ancestry as mm. much as they could so that they would keep all these things alive. I know a couple of my friends in America who have Irish ancestry um, would actually, in some ways, have a lot more Irish tendencies than I would. Uh, or just foodstuffs or things that they had growing up that their mm. granny might have had for them. Like, there were things that, you know, the parents and the grandparents were trying to instill into their children, I suppose, because they didn't want that to be lost, because mm-hmm. obviously when it's lost, it's kind of gone, you know, and um, I think that's kind of why it's been amplified and sort of spread around America, and look, it's really cool to see as well, I like... I don't think most Irish people would even know that Halloween is an Irish thing. As a matter of fact, I think I've heard, definitely heard online over the years, people saying that, you know, why are people in Europe celebrating an American holiday? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So there you go. I've heard a similar explanation as to why, um, so like Irish music, you know, folk music is so popular all over the world because as people move, they just, you know, hung on to it, you know. And as well, yeah, there's a, yeah. a big folkloric tradition with Irish music, and and there was a history of uh, it. It trying like there was conscientious efforts made to actually stamp out Irish music. You mm-hmm. know, the harp was banned in Ireland by uh, a British king and stuff like that. And so they they tried to really hold on to their culture and keep that music alive. I think, and I definitely think a lot of Irish people like hold on to that as part of their identity. I think we're very musical as uh, people in general. A lot of people yeah, say yeah. we even talk kind of musically. Just lyric, melodically, yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, fun- it's funny you're saying that because I was actually, because Irish dancing was another thing that I think they tried to kind of... Stamp out, yeah. Stamp out, yeah. And uh, one of the girls I work with is like, she dances fairly regularly in Johnny Fox's, which is, um, it's the, it's the highest pub in Ireland, apparently. So it's up near the Dublin mountains. But she dances there several times. And I didn't realise the amount... I thought, like, you just dance, you know, in the little Irish uh, Irish dancing dress or whatever. But they're wearing wigs and, like, mad socks. And nice. I was like, I was like, do you have to? And she goes, yeah, yeah, if you dance, like, Irish-style dancing, like, all this stuff, you have to adhere to it. Swarovski diamond-embedded dresses and everything. Wow. Like, three grand a piece. It was crazy, though. I didn't... Because I guess you take so much things for granted when you're Irish. Similar, I suppose, to, you know, to a kind of more American things that we think over here are deadly because we're not used to them. Like, we didn't get pizza here till like, 1987 or something. <laughs> you know? So, so this for us, it's a huge thing when it happens. But you do forget about, like, just the the actual depth of these things. Because, I mean, Irish dancing is an art form, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. And I obviously, Irish folk music as well. Uh, but I do, yeah, from, from being, live, when I lived in Canada, I definitely got a lot more... Irish. patriotic yeah. yeah like I had an Irish flag in my room like why like am I going to forget like what was, what was <laughs> did you, you know, did you have an Irish flag oh, in yeah room? we bought <laughs> me, and, awesome. me and Wayne we bought Irish flags on the way out to nice, Canada nice. you know lest we forget where yeah. we come from how long were you um, in Canada only about a year I don't even know if I made the full year like I, <laughs> I but you do you just get so you know 
Because I guess it's all that stuff that's comfortable. Like all of a sudden, nothing is really comfortable until you kind of integrate it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you look for comfort in, in those things that you were more just surrounded by that you took for granted before. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it, yeah. Stingy Jack. Stingy, stingy Jack. The one with no money, maybe? Or is he stingy in other ways? Who the hell knows? Who's taking Stingy Jack here, lads? Uh, I can start it out here. You go for it, son. An 1836 edition of the Dublin Penny Journal has Jack help an old man who was revealed to be an angel. To reward him, the angel grants Jack three wishes. He uses these to punish anyone who sits in his chair takes wood from his tree, or tries to take his cobbling tools by fixing them to the ground. The angel is disappointed by this and bars Jack from entering heaven. Jack manages to deflect Satan's messengers who attempt to trick him, and he is condemned to roam the world, either neither, uh, neither heaven nor hell. Mm-hmm. Oh. And in 1851, Hercules Alice. That's a great name, right? That is a great name, yeah. Hercules Ellis presumably <laughs> wrote and published The Romance of Jack-O-Lantern, a romantic mm. poem in the poetry anthology, The Rhyme Book. The poem described Stingy Jack's encounters with an angel and Satan. Mm, sounds Jeez. very interesting. So, yeah. yeah, so this is kind of the... Uh, this ties in with the Jack-O-Lantern, right? The story of Stingy Jack. It's kind of interesting that there's more of a, an origin than you might think to it, yeah? Mm. Yes, they're given this as sort of like the way jack-o'-lanterns came to be i suppose if you know mm. people are looking for origin stories mm, yeah so here's a bit of the story here so as the story goes several centuries ago in ireland there lived a drunkard known as stingy jack he is known throughout the land as a deceiver and a manipulator on a fateful night satan overheard the tale of jack's evil deeds in silver tongue unconvinced and envious of the rumours, the devil went to find out for himself whether or not Jack lived up to his vile reputation. <laughs> Starts uh, out, it's great yeah. already, right? This yeah, is a great yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. um, so, typical of Jack, he was drunk and wandering through the countryside at night when he came upon a body on his cobblestone path. The body, with an eerie grimace on its face, turned out to be the devil himself. Jack realised that this was his end. Satan had finally come to collect his malevolent soul. So Jack made a last request. He asked the devil to let him drink ale before he departed to hell. Uh, Nice guy, yeah. My man. (laughs) Uh, So finding no reason not to acquiesce the request, Satan took Jack to the local (laughs) pub and supplied him with many an alcoholic beverage. I like that. Mm, Upon quenching his thirst, Jack asked Satan to pay the tab for the ale. Much to his surprise, because he didn't carry any money. So, Jack, uh, my yeah. original vision for this was a radio mm-hmm. play where I was going to narrate, and you guys were going to be Jack and Satan, and have oh, have a back cool. and forth. That, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds cool. Well, we can do that at some point. Definitely, we can do that at some point. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. So, Jack convinced him to turn himself into a silver coin, with which to pay the bartender. And change back when he's not looking. That was a, a weird sentence there. I was trying to make head or tail of it. So I'm like, he wants to turn himself into a coin. Okay, right. So yeah, so, yeah, so, so Sat- Jack's like, hey, Satan, turn yourself into a coin. We'll trick the bartender, right? So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. pay with this. Yeah. Yeah. So Satan did so. 
impressed upon by Jack's unyielding nefarious <laughs> tactics. Shrewdly, Jack stuck the now transmogrified Satan coin <laughs> into his pocket, which also contained a crucifix. Oh, classic. The wily dog. He had tricks, this fella. The crucifix's presence kept the devil from escaping his form. This coerced Satan to agree to Jack's demand. In exchange for his freedom, he had to spare Jack's soul for ten more years. Fancy that. Oh. Think of that, lads. That's a... Would you have gone for more than 10 years? I would have. Unless Jack's in a bad way, maybe. Well, at the rate he's drinking, maybe he won't have much left. Well, this is true. Yeah, this is true. So, 10 years after the date Jack originally struck his deal, he naturally found himself once again in the devil's presence. Jack happened upon Satan in the same setting as before, and he seemingly accepted it as it was his time to go to hell for good. As Satan prepared to take him to hell, Jack asked if he could have one apple to feed his starving belly. Foolishly, Satan once again agreed to his request. As he climbed up the branches of a nearby apple tree, Jack surrounded its base with crucifixes. Satan, frustrated with the fact that he had been entrapped again, demanded his release. As Jack did before, he made a second demand, that he will never take his soul to hell. Having no choice, the devil agreed and was set free. I do like that the devil is kind of a bumbling fool <laughs> in the story. Right? You know, yeah. the, 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 the light bringer, the fallen angel is like, oh yeah, no, oh no, he got me again. In some of the stories, they have him uh, carving crosses in, into the, the apple tree, I think. Oh, ah, clever, yeah. That's kind of cool, though. Um, so eventually the drinking took its toll on Jack and he died see peg that we saw that coming <laughs> stingy <laughs> stingy Jack's soul prepared to enter heaven through the gates of St. Peter but he was stopped Jack was told by God that because of his sinful lifestyle of deceitfulness and drinking he was not allowed into heaven Jack then went down to the gates of hell and begged for admission into the underworld Satan fulfilling his obligation to Jack could not take his soul he gave Jack an ember to light his way back. And now Jack is doomed to roam the world between the plains of good and evil, with only an ember inside a hollowed turnip. Turnip in this context referring referring to a large rutabaga to light his way. Now what is a rutabaga, lads? A rutabaga? rutabaga? So it's a big turnip, right? Yeah, it yeah. is actually. It's a big old Swede. Have you seen lot. like the traditional jack-o'-lanterns carved in turnips? In Ireland, personally, no. In on the internet, yeah, loads. yeah, yeah, like, they like, look like, really cool. Yeah. yeah, they're so cool looking. Yeah, I think they look way scarier. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, they actually look like you know when guys find a mysterious like skull and they think yeah. it's an alien. They look like those mummified alien skulls. kind of a, yeah. a mummified Creepy. face, doesn't it? Like a shrunken head or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're really it's, really cool. Yeah, they are. And so it's interesting. They're called a Russia Baga. I never, I never knew that. Yeah, so I never heard that before. We, le- we learn something new every day, folks. They're just, they're just big turnips. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so tell us, Tim, why is it a turnip and not a pumpkin? Ah, uh, because I think that was what you had in Ireland. You didn't have pumpkins at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, we, they're they're to North America. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I believe the way, camp? sure, I believe the way it went is when immigrants came here, they just found like it's a hell of a lot easier to carve a pumpkin. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I, I was even, plentiful. yeah, 
totally. I was even thinking about it in my head. I was just thinking of the act of carving a pumpkin. Because at least the inside of a pumpkin is like the soft, you know, you can take it out and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Whereas a pumpkin, like a pumpkin is just hard everywhere. A turnip, you mean? Or a turnip, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 take, yeah. yeah. I, got the, I got the vegetables confused, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, I've had yeah, people yeah, tell yeah. me that like, like, like it's really difficult. I've not tried I've wanted to try it, but I've had people yeah. you know, like, like carve turnips. And I'm like, yeah, it's really got, hard. My, my girlfriend is working like a full day and night shift on Halloween, you know? So I might just get a couple of turnips and just go hog wild, just go ham on them for the day. <laughs> Why not, son? Sounds yeah, good. man. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The carving of vegetables has been a common practice in many parts of the world. It is believed that the custom of making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween began in Ireland. In the 19th century, turnips, or mangle wurzels, <laughs> hollowed out to act as lanterns and often carved with grotesque faces were used on Halloween in parts of Ireland and in the Scottish Highlands. In these Gaelic-speaking regions, Halloween was also the festival of Samhain, I pronounced you it. You got right. us. Well yeah. done. Yeah, that was I was waiting really, for Sam Hain to say hello. And was seen as a time when supernatural beings. Ooh, is that an Irish word? Uh, the, yeah. The ALC, I think. Is the ASC. Mm. The AS, yeah, yeah. Yes, ASC. ASC, uh, yeah. yeah. The SI father is like a kind of a ghoulish thing isn't it I think yeah 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 yeah. yeah. it's like the Lanon she and all that are all yes ah, yes, yeah. yes yes yeah. Yeah. the she and the souls of the dead walk the earth jack-o'-lanterns were also made at Halloween time in Somerset England during the 19th century mm-hmm. by those who made them the lanterns were said to represent e- either spirits or supernatural beings or were used to ward off spirits for example sometimes they were used by Halloween participants to frighten people Sometimes they were set in windowsills to keep harmful spirits out of one's home. It has also been suggested that 
The jack-o'-lanterns originally represented Christian souls in purgatory, as Halloween is the eve of All Saints Day, November 1st, and then All Saints Day comes the 2nd of November. I like that idea. That kind of sounds mm. interesting. Yeah. So the, I think the general thought here was that you were scaring um, the spirits away with jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, which uh, I guess eventually transitioned into the wearing of costumes, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly, yeah, it's kind of the Batman thing, right? Like I will dress yes. as what they're afraid of, you know, <laughs> cowardly <laughs> and superstitious laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, it's a uh, it's a cool logic, yeah. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's neat. I I just loved it as a kid. I just this time of year, I just. And I came a lot. Well, I still do. Yeah. I still do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got that thing about it where <clears throat> you're kind of like you're comfortably anxious. Mm. There's like this. It's there's it's very few times where you actually feel comfort through fear. You know, like I, they said. Um, I, I read an interesting article when couples start to date initially and they're going to the movies together. They'll more often than not go to like spooky movies because there's a. A sort of psychological sense of surviving something traumatic together and it actually helps bond in the dating period yeah and I, I felt the same about kind of Halloween well not in a, in a romantic way but in that it's got this very very comfortable it's almost like Christmas but everything's dead and coming back from the grave you know it I is think the- it's a celebration as well, though. Traditionally, you know, you were coming in off the land, you know, you had all your food, you had all mm, the, the harvest, you yeah, had true. the big harvest and you were going into winter. So if you had a good harvest, you were going to have a celebration at this time. So there could be something kind of hardwired into us that we know that this is a time of potential celebration if things are going well. And I mean, relatively mm. speaking, things are going well for us when you compare it to like Irish people in the 17th or 18th century, you know. Or pretty much anyone, in the yeah. unless you were yeah, unless you were wealthy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, unless you're a king or something, you know. And even they weren't having as much fun as people on the bottom now, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you, 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 they didn't have playstations. Is, nah, not even PlayStation One, son. Speaking of which, actually, uh, cool moment in a video game for any of our gamer listeners that might be listening uh, in Assassin's Creed Valhalla is probably one of the only highlights of the game. There's a really cool scene. Uh, Valhalla set during Viking times and stuff like that but you play in England but there's a really cool scene where they're actually celebrating Halloween and they have all the kind of carved turnips and stuff around this little village and, and maybe pumpkins I can't really remember but it looks really cool. They did a really good digital representation of like a Halloween at that time. I oh, thought it was cool. a really good job. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. You could probably check it up on YouTube, but first time I've seen something really well represented of that time because like England and Ireland don't usually get much of a shout in video games, you know? So um, mm. it was a really, it was a nice little recreation of it, you know? Why don't we save the, the second pumpkin origin story for the second half? Okay. Right. Mm. And move, that, that's move right on to... Uh, <clears throat> do you want to move on to the other articles or do you want to move on to Cabbage Stump Night? Uh, we can go on to Cabbage Stump Night and then we'll go on to the articles then, yeah? Okay. So yeah, Cabbage Stump Night is something that I wasn't aware of until I think, like I was probably saying to my granddad a couple of years ago like, oh, we're dressing up for Halloween or we're doing this or that and my granddad sort of dismissed me in a sort of way, like in a kind of Abe Simpson way of like, back in my day, we had cabbage stump night. And I was like, what? Yeah. 
and so I was kind of going like what is cabbage stump night and, and like I said to him and I, he was just kind of yeah we just threw cabbage stumps at doors and I was like well that sounds like good fun but um, I always kind of thought it was funny I might have mentioned it I don't know you know we've done that many episodes now and, and even we've collabed quite a few times now maybe I mentioned on a Strange Familiars collab maybe I mentioned on one of our Halloween episodes before but yeah this was something that he mentioned to me and I kind of thought that was interesting and it was only when you brought the idea of doing a sort of a jack-o'-lantern episode that I thought, um, let's take a look at the cabbage something night and see if there's actually anything to it. Mm. And um, as luck would have it, looking through the internet, I found an account from someone who... Uh, this account is from 1937 in Wexford. This is by a lady named Peggy Saunders who would have lived right around the corner from my granddad. So my granddad oh, okay, right. my granddad was born and raised in the Fife. This is from Barnes Lane, which is just around the corner from the Fife. And my I'd say my granddad actually knows Peggy Saunders. Um this article seems to be maybe written when she was in school. Seems like maybe a, a school report type of thing. Um so yeah, here's an account of Cabbage Something Night that I just kind of thought was a nice little account of what people used to do on Halloween at one point in time. So she says, A crowd of boys and girls gather together on the 31st of October and have great fun. They go around from street to street armed with cabbage stumps. <laughs> they get these stumps in the yard because cabbage was used for the call cannon that day. Yeah, of course. Which call cannon, for listeners that don't know, is a traditional Irish dish. Usually shredded cabbage and mashed potatoes. Oh, that so, sounds uh, amazing. I love yeah, cabbage. It's I'm pretty good. I love cabbage. I'll send you yeah. a good recipe for it. I made my granny and granddad some uh, a while ago, traditional style, and uh, it was actually very tasty. Nice. It's weird because it's it's a main meal but it kind of is like something that you would have on the side nowadays because mm-hmm, you're basically yeah. eating just a plate of potatoes and cabbage. Uh, modern times, they'll add ham, but mm. back in the day, everyone was poor. They didn't have ham to be thrown in and things like that, so it was very well, much was it, spuds yeah. and well, a bit of cabbage. And all, <clears throat> all we could do was boil things, really. Yeah, yeah. So we just boiled everything, put it together. Yeah, so yeah. I'll send on a nice recipe for that, Tim, and you can make it. It's, it's quite good. It sounds close um, to... Um, so we do pork and sauerkraut on New, yeah, yeah. New Year's oh, Day. Yeah. With always yeah, with mashed yeah. potatoes too. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. 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 Very similar. So they annoy people by striking their doors with the stumps. When the children are in bed, they wake them up. They also destroy the door by taking off the paint. Oh, so it geez. must be something in the rotten cabbage actually. Yeah. Uh, destroys the paint on the doors. Uh, in some top windows, the women wait with a, a bucket of cold water <laughs> to throw down on them. Um, and for context, this is a time, you know, I actually have some stories from my granddad around this time, and this would have been a time where TB, tuberculosis, was rampant. Mm. Um, and even on some of these streets, uh, mm. my granddad would remember stories, basically the door would be closed and it would be a bring out your dead type of scenario. Um God. Like if someone in the family had TB, they'd just lock the doors on the house and they'd wait it out and see who came out alive after a certain amount of time, I suppose, you know, Mm. Um, if anyone at all. I think TB had a fairly high mortality rate back then. Yeah, swept through the country, yeah. Yeah, so in some, yeah, so we're past the women throwing stuff down. So another trick that they play that night is to get an old jam pot and tie it by a long cord to the knob of the door and then place the pot on the window. They knock the door and when the woman opens the door, the jam pot crashes to the ground and the woman rushes into the kitchen thinking that something (laughs) is broken there. 
So this uh, is how kids were amusing themselves yeah. back in 1937. I love you can you can tell like it's of the time as well. Like the woman opens the door and the woman <laughs> thinks that something has crashed in the kitchen. It's like the man, where's he? He's you know just having an old pint of stout somewhere, presumably. It's the man in the kitchen? Nah, not back then. Oh, it was it was unfair. Never, yeah, can't he, even spell kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, another trick that they do is to get a turnip and take out the inside and cut a face into it and then they put a candle in it and place it in the hall of one of the houses to frighten the people going in and out. So this is um, basically the traditional sense, I suppose, like we just mentioned. Uh, She says that her brother is too small to take part in this, but the chaps around the street do this too. This sort of fun goes on till 11 or 12 o'clock at night and then the guards, which are our local police, come and put a stop to it. Um, and oh, the, the guards would have been very tough people back then as well. Like my, my granddad often told mm. stories of like, uh, they used to have dances, like, you know, teenage dances. And um, if it ever got out of hand, like the police had just punched the shit out of it. You know? <laughs> as they, you they, do. They'd take them outside. Oh, yeah. they take them. Uh, like back then, like yeah. openly, like the police would blatantly fight people, you know. It's like 1937. I yeah. remember we, we used to go to the like the parish dance. It was called mm-hmm. the Pierce's Town Disco. So we play in like all those songs of the 90s, you mm-hmm. know, like early 90s or whatever. So you're 13, 14, and basically at the start of it, all the boys would be at one side of the room and all the girls would be at the other. And you're at that age where, like, your hormone, you're basically turning into a walking hormone for the next five years. <laughs> so we were to- like totally terrified, but amazingly interested in the opposite sex at the time, right? <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, that's grand. And then you start dancing or whatever. And the Irish way of doing it is like you get one of your friends to ask one of her friends to ask her if she wants to kiss you. Yeah. It's like a whole a whole thing. But I remember there used to be whoever was in charge of the dance was like an older guy. Uh, and I think he used to he wasn't a priest, but he used to work with the church as far as I'm aware. And he used to go around with a ruler. And if you ever got <laughs> too, too close to a girl, he just like put the ruler between you and create space. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in like this is 1937, but these dances are in like 1997. So, <laughs> so keeping alive and well even then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we didn't really guess. I mean, we didn't we didn't. We, we, you know, there was always a separation between church and state, but there wasn't really. And no. I think we kind of really got out just from the end of it, kind of coming into the late 90s, I think, is when Ireland sort of not so much severed its ties with Catholicism. It's still our, our national religion, if you like, but it, it had much less of a much less kind of dominion in just regular Irish society and life. Yeah, we had like films banned and stuff even in the 90s, like Clockwork mm. Orange was only made like available to watch in like the 90s in Ireland yeah remember Slipknot were supposed to play here in 2001 and the Parents Council of Ireland were just like nope wow yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. stopped Slipknot playing here yeah. wow no we were very conservative like Ireland was very yeah. conservative uh, up until relatively recently I would say um, mm. but yeah so the guards were putting a stop to any of this cabbage stump night shenanigans anyway um, so do we want to take Alison's poem or do we want to go to somebody else? No, it's it's person? related. So the cabbage okay. stump night, like, like so that's kind of a weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, like, well, that's there's no way we're going to have the equivalent here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Allison finds this poem. This is amazing. It's mm-hmm. Halloween as celebrated by the Pennsylvania Dutch. This is just an excerpt. It's called mm-hmm. From Olden Times or Pennsylvania Rural Life Some 50 Years Ago by Henry Lee Fisher. 
This was published in 1888. Right. In this unstoried land of ours, not such with Merry Halloween, no random pulling of the kale, no roasting nuts, no foaming ale, no dance upon the homestead green, no sowing of the hemp or flax, no pulling straws from oaten sacks. This is very Pennsylvania Dutch, by the way, just to take the fun out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> with far less reverence for the saints, or faith in charms or magic spell, to superstition less inclined, in magic arts all unrefined, our old-time Halloween but smelled of cabbages, which oh. were by the scores... We hurled, which uh, sorry, which by the scores we hurled against our neighbors' doors. Ah, <laughs> that's awesome! So like, cabbage something like was everywhere, at least in Pennsylvania too. So yeah, it's it's my funny. my uncle told me a story. He he's um Italian Canadian, and so we were talking one day, you know, because like it became pretty common throwing toilet paper and stuff like that. And I I guess this is the genesis of that. Oh yeah, in a way, sure. yeah, you know. Yeah. But my uncle told me he was like, and he'd always like, he'd, he'd always kind of wood up, you know, whatever, when he said something. So one of the guys like, oh, yeah, I remember throwing apples. And he's like, that's nothing, man. And he went into this story. He said him and his friends, when they were really young, there was a guy that lived on their street that was super mean. OK, now he's a kid here and I'm sure the statute of limitations has passed. And all the rest <laughs> of it, so we're probably fine. He murdered the man. He, he, he killed an old man. No, he, he him and his buddies, they... I don't know if they got dog poo or what, but they put it in a brown paper bag, right? And they lit the bag oh, on yeah. fire and then knocked on his door and ran away. So he opens the door and he sees just a flame. So he starts stomping into the flame mm-hmm. to put it out. And as you can imagine, there's the dog excrement is going everywhere. And as this is happening, then they launched fireworks into his house when the door <laughs> was open. That's so like, like some Viet Cong type that's, of move. That that, is yeah, like... that's like flashback city. Yeah, yeah. it's PTSD. Wow. It was uh, ridiculous. Yeah, so I think, you know, cabbages were a, a lot more civilized than what my uncle was up to in Canada. <laughs> One Halloween, my my older brother, who was... um. I was more about the monsters and, and the candy. Mm-hmm. And and he was more about the mischief, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he decides he's going to take me out. Because at, at some point in my early childhood, I had, like, I lived way out in the rural yeah. area in Maryland. And there were two kids around my age. And they moved out, I think, by the time I was in, like, third grade or something. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't have anybody my age around. And it's Halloween and I'm probably a little too old to be like dressing up and going trick or treating. So, you know, maybe 12, 13, I don't know, something like that. My brother's like, Hey, you know, I'll take you out. We'll, we'll go out for Halloween tonight. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it sounds exciting. Right. So he takes a, I think a big like zucchini or something. And we're hiding in, in these pine trees, this like little woods of pine trees. And this car goes by and he whips it at this car, like, you know, a big heavy zucchini. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if he hit it or if it just went over the guy's windshield, but the guy like jams on the brakes and gets out of his car. And my brother, like we're in the pine trees and the guy's like looking, he could tell which direction it came from. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's dark, but we're, we're like hunkered down in there. And my brother says, hands me a knife. And he says, <laughs> says if that guy comes in here, put this in his leg. Oh my lord. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just a kid. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever said it to him? Have you been like, brother, 
Do you remember when you tried to get me to murder someone on your behalf? Because <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely shouldn't see what he says. You know? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, That's crazy. God, yeah. It, the we guy did not come in, into the uh, woods, so it didn't, you know, no no legs were stabbed that night. We, oh, um, thankfully, yeah. we had the, um, I used to trick or treat in um, my cousin's kind of housing estate where he lived. It's, it was one of the biggest housing estates, and it was also a social housing estate so it was a lot of people on low income and things like that so as you can imagine at Halloween the crack was high everyone was going around having fun and acting the mess but there's actually behind it uh, is a pauper's graveyard and they reckon over like a thousand people I think have been buried there um, so we used to go there on Halloween uh, looking for trouble but never found any ghosts or anything sadly but it's a very spooky area that Popper's Graveyard mm. um, that's the one at the back of Tip X Alley is it? up in Farndale oh no I'm thinking of the yeah, other yeah. No, no. graveyard yeah. up, in, up in Farndale it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually quite a peaceful spot now but there's just something I feel when I sit there a little bit uncomfortable and that would have been even before I realised how many people were actually buried there. I thought it was like 10 people when I was a kid, you know. Mm. And it was only actually recently that I, I learned that. It's definitely in the hundreds mm. and it may even be in the thousands. It's hard to tell with those mass graveyards because they're literally just dumped. You yeah, know, they stack like them un- in there. Yeah, Uncounted, yeah. Uncount- untold amounts of people. So always used to go in there at Halloween though looking for trouble. Um, never found any, but uh, definitely a spooky place to be at that time of year for sure. Um, so we have here, Tim. There's an article about monster hunting. Will we touch on that one next? I tell you what. Why don't right. we? Since Touch we didn't hunt. open up with a poem, why yeah. don't we end this first part with yep. a poem from Brother Richard? And then Let's we'll, do that. Oh, and then, that sounds fantastic. And then we'll get yeah. into the rest of the content on monster fuzz. Yeah, and that as well, good. big thanks to Brother Richard for sending in a poem slash poem. Um, we appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to listening to that, actually, Tim. Mm, me too, yeah. All right. So, everybody, here's Brother Richard, but make sure to pop one over to Monster Fuzz for the rest of our jack-o'-lantern stories. All Hallows' Eve. This was the evening she swept out the hearth. I helped. Sort of. Once clean and perfect to her discerning eye, now milky white, though the light behind them was sharp and never dimmed, she would set bread, brown soda always, and salt before the banked flames. For the visitors, she would say, whenever I asked, as I did annually. Her breath whistling half-heard prayers, she would go then from room to room, straightening cushions, flicking tables with tea cloths, to clear the last vestiges of dust from surfaces so well polished with age and use they gleamed. The house should be clean when they call, she would say. We would have tea then, waiting. Sometimes she had cake or a ginger snap biscuit, dunked to soften it for dentures. I had cake too. Then she would sit in her stiff-backed chair in front of the fire, waiting. I would sit beside her, sometimes in the big green armchair, slowly sinking into the old feather-filled cushions so big my feet swung. More often, I perched on the stool beside her chair, where I could watch the TV with her. But not this evening. This was always different. 
No news, no crossroads or coronation streets, plaintive trumpet, just sitting together in the quiet, waiting. Tonight there would be just the fire and the bread and the salt left out, blessed and prayed over and freely given for the guests whenever they would come. And then she would talk about them, all of them, her mother and father, her aunts and uncles, and tales of Dublin so long ago, it seemed they should begin with Once Upon a Time. Her grandmother got special mention. They called her a sharp woman, wise, brought in for birth and death, you know. She had the understanding, she would say, and then say no more for a while. Sometimes she would speak in a different voice, reserved only for him, of my grandfather, Martin, her husband, gone an age ago to me, but still so present to her heart, and then her eye, looking across the flames at faces I could not see, would bring to mind all those others too, who had already gone, and she would go quiet. Where had they gone? I would ask. Home, she would simply say. But tonight they would visit. Once, just once, it made me nervous to think of it. She laughed then. Nervous of the dead? Don't be silly. Aren't they family? Aren't they friends? Don't they pray for us? Don't we pray for them? You can fear the living, she would say, a sharp smile playing about her wrinkled eyes. But never the dead. A Christian never has to fear the dead. Sure, don't we have the Blessed Virgin and all the saints around us too? Then she would take my hand and we would just sit, waiting. She praying, I wondering, feeling the wrinkled warmth of her loose-skinned hand. Safe. Then she would say it was time to go home. So I would go then, across the green, home to parties and noise and black bag wearing, apple bobbing, door knocking, sparkler waving, help the Halloween party roaring fun. Sometimes I would think of her, sitting in front of the fire, waiting. But mostly I didn't. Until the morning, All Saints' Day, off to Mass, a day off school too. Then, in the afternoon, I would drop over, to find the telly on, the chair now turned to face it once again, the bread gone, salt scattered to bless the house and garden. It's Richard Gran, I'd shout, and I would hug her and tell her all about it, the parties and the sweets and the things we called wine apples because we didn't know what a pomegranate was, and the lady who always gave rotten Brazil nuts you couldn't crack, Christmas leftovers we were all sure, and she would laugh and make the tea, and we would sit again side by side and wait for the two Ronnies to appear on television. And then I would remember and ask, but only during the ads, of course, did they come? Oh yes, she would say, they always come. What do you do when they come? Now what does anyone do when visitors come? She replied with a slow smile. You chat, I'd say. Exactly, she glittered. Now be a good boy and turn up the telly. And I was, so I would. A quarter of a century has passed since she went home. But still, on this night always, I welcome the visitors too. Friars and family both now, sitting before the candle flame, breathing the blessed breath of memory and prayer, waiting just as she, my first elder, taught me, waiting until they arrive once more. She now, always a visitor too.
All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, part two is going to be on Monster Fuzz. They're releasing it on Halloween itself. Thanks for listening. If you're here for Monster Fuzz, welcome to Strange Familiars. Hope you stick around, listen to more episodes of ours, and maybe like and subscribe to our podcast as well. We are different than Monster Fuzz, but it's uh, peanut- less talented, but just as <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate. Two great tastes that taste great together. Potatoes and potatoes. <laughs> German boiled potatoes, potatoes and Irish boiled potatoes. potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. Head over to Monster Fuzz for part two. We already have plans to do a Christmas episode together. So uh, we'll definitely have the Monster Fuzz fellows back on the feed. And wait till Christmas. you see Eamon as Mary holding baby Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. (laughs) We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, Music Books, Art, Podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com. <laughs> slash Strange Familiars. Allison's tapping her finger in the air to in time with me speaking. Uh, I'm conducting. Oh, conducting. Oh, okay. Yeah. On Facebook, you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group as well. And we're on Instagram, at Strange Familiars, one word. Give us a follow on the Instagram. And on the web, we are at strangefamiliars.com. Nurse to him. There's a 
sleep in her chamber, said the false nurse to him. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.